Good morning. I hope you're as delighted to be here as I am. I missed last week. I thought David, Dr. David Jeremiah did a great job on his message on Matthew chapter 6 about not worrying because that's what Sheila and I listened to. So my question to you guys after my having listened to that message last week on Matthew chapter 6 is, why are you worried? Because we are having a pandemic. We're worried about that. You know, it's always amazing to me for us as Christians, and we're talking about the seven churches at the end of the age, and we're trying to bring that forward to us in the sense of this was what it was in the first century. Here we are now, and we're in that time frame. But why is it we're so, can I say this? Let me say it like this. We just sang a song, and the song said, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Did we sing that song? Did we sing that song? Thank you very much. So, let's think about it like this. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here because you are our comforter. Don't we all appreciate the comfort that we get from the Holy Spirit? I hope you do. I know I do. Secondly, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here because you're our counselor. Don't we appreciate the fact that the Holy Spirit working within our spirit takes the word of God that we have taken the time, right? We've taken the time to read, to study, to know. And the Holy Spirit takes that word and makes it alive in us. He's our counselor. He's welcome here, right? He's welcome here. He is our comforter. He is welcome here. He is our counselor. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here because you're our convictor. If in any way you've ever been led to believe in this church that the Holy Spirit does not bring conviction, let me correct that for you now. He does. And that's a work of grace, as Frankie just prayed for us as the children of God. So let me pray this prayer that we just sang, but I want to make it as a prayer. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today as our comforter, as our counselor, as our convictor. Now, hang on to that because you're going to need it in just a little bit. The seven churches. We started the other week. Church then and church now. And the church at Smyrna. But some of you may have missed the church at Ephesus. So let me read that for you. Have your Bibles, your devices, whatever you have. Turn to Revelations chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. Again, for clarification, if you haven't been here, when there's a reference to the angel at the church, he is talking about the pastor of the church, the angelion. The messenger, the special messenger. Again, plurality of leadership is always across the board. That's the way the church is supposed to be. But at the end of the day, one person will have to take the final ultimate responsibility. We've illustrated that in Acts 15 and other places in the scripture. That's just the way it is. Not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. But here's what he says. To the one who holds the seven stars. That's the seven stars that represent the churches in the right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, 
That's the churches there. They're golden. They're precious. He is among them. I know your deeds. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. I know your deeds. I know your toil. I know your perseverance. And that you cannot endure evil men. Hallelujah. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they're not. And you found them to be false. And you have persevered and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. He is commending the church. There's some really, really strong work of God in this church. But there's a deficit. Remember, he gives the positive. He gives the negative. I have this against you. You have left your first love. If you're here today, let me ask you very candidly. Have you left your first love? Are you in love with Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord who did all that he did for your redemption as you were in the beginning? Now remember, love matures. I've used this probably way too many times, but it's true. When Sheila and I were getting ready to get married, her pastor, we met in his home. He sat across the dining room table and asked me, Do you love her? And I said, yes, I love her. Now, here we are 50 years later, and you would ask me, do you love her? And my answer would be, yes, I love her. The difference is so, (laughs) I can't even put words to it. It's so much more, so much better, so much deeper, so much broader. I can't even describe what it is now. Because in those years of our relationship as a husband and a wife, it has, de- it has developed and matured and grown. It's amazing. I have no words for it. I just know how wonderful it is. The same thing is with Christ. I've now been a Christian for over 50 years. When I came to know Christ, when he introduced himself to me through the Holy Spirit... And now I know him and I love him, but it's so different. I don't have words to describe it. I just know it's better. I know it's deeper. I know it's broader. And and even on a much deeper level than what it is with Sheila and I as husband and wife. So my question is, do you love him? Look what he says. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen and repent. That means stop what you're doing that is contrary to the will and word of God and change it. It's not just a matter of saying, God, you're right. I'm sorry. Moving on. No, it's, it brings about change. And do the deeds that you did at first or else I will come to you. Now, some of the church at Ephesus, I will come to you and remove your lampstand out of his place unless you repent. They were a the church of prominence of their day. And here's something you need to get. And maybe you don't care. I do. I just want you to know, I hope that we all do. If we do not, and if we're unwilling to do what God has for us to do, and we choose not to do it, guess what? None of us are irreplaceable. And that's what Jesus was saying to the church at Ephesus. Yeah, right now, you guys are the premier church. 
You're blessed in so many ways. But if you decide not to repent and not to turn back to God as you should and where you were, then he says, it's gone. I've got other churches. You're not the only church in town. And he would say to us this very same thing, no matter who we think we are or what we think we are. He goes on and says to them, but still I have this for you too because you hate the deeds of the Nickelodeons which I also hate. That was that group that was trying to mingle the things of the world into the things of the church, and it was messing things up. He, listen to this, it's repetitive. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Isn't that our God? Isn't that our grace? Isn't that the mercy and love that he pours out? He says, listen, it's not too late. Don't stay where you are. Don't stay stuck in that. Listen, the enemy will lie to us about everything. That's why last week when she and I were listening to Dr. David, David Jeremiah, and we were talking about worry. I'm thinking, are we not in a season now where even Christians are worried about everything? Listen, what is the worst thing that can happen to a Christian? You die. Right? Okay, you got anybody here? The worst thing can happen to any of us is that we die physically, right? And then what happens? Thank you. Hallelujah. So the worst thing that can happen to any of us is that we die physically and go to spend eternity with God. Man, what a tough gig. That's, that's what we have in Christ. So now let's move on to the next church. The church at Smyrna. By the way, Smyrna was on the west coast of Asia Minor. It was in a direct alignment through the sea over to Athens. And so it was an amazing place of commerce. And not only that, Smyrna got its name from myrrh, the spice, the perfume. And so they had, they really cornered the market on myrrh. So it was a place of commerce and it was a place that smelled good. Think about that. And it was so beautiful because it had been done and planned and carried out so well. It was called the flower of Asia Minor. So, It was a place of commerce. It smelled good. It looked good. That's pretty cool, right? Let's see what Jesus has to say about it. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and last who was dead. Who's he talking about? Don't himself. First and last, Alpha and Omega, everything in between, has come to life says this, look what he says by the church of Smyrna. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. What's he talking about? You have to understand that Christians in Smyrna were being persecuted dramatically. If you proclaim Christ then you would be having difficulty in doing commerce, 
or even holding a job or owning property. So materially, they were losing everything because they professed Christ. Not what we're dealing with today. But he says, you're rich. Now, why were they rich? They were rich because they had faith in him, their trust, their life. Everything was in him. So, see, the point of this is we can have everything materially. In fact, the scripture says that and have nothing spiritually. Or in, we can have nothing materially and have everything spiritually. It doesn't have to be that way as well. I'm just saying that was the case at Smyrna. This beautiful, sweet-smelling place of commerce, the Christians were being persecuted to such a level that they were poor financially. And the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now remember, the Jews were God's chosen people. But as they spread out in the Roman Empire, and they were so desperate to stay in good favor with Rome, and because the way those who were following Christ were a threat to Rome, to Rome, the Jews began to persecute even at a deeper level because now they had governmental support, the Christians. And so they were the ones who would rat them out. They were the ones who would tell on their neighbor who professed to know Christ. And so they would lose their house, lose their job, lose their place in the culture. Now, you got to understand, you got to read that. Jesus looks at those who are accusing those who are walking out the faith in Christ, their faith in Christ. And he says, they're nothing but synagogue of Satan. In other words, either he says, you're either for me or you are against me. And, and he's saying, remember now, this is his chosen people, the Jews. He's saying, I don't care what kind of name you got on the church. I don't care what kind of name you got on the synagogue. Either you are for me. Are you against me? You're either for God or you're on the side of Satan. I don't know about you, but it appears to me Jesus is getting a little forceful in his comments toward the churches. <laughs> and here's where you sign me up. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. What if I were to get up here and say to you, it's okay. You're going to suffer for Jesus. In fact, he says, the devil hates you so much, he's going to use those Jews who are against you and the Romans who are against you so that some of you will go to prison. So that you'll be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Now, nobody seems to know exactly what he was saying about the 10 days. Some people say it was 10 events. Some people say it was a literal 10 days. Some people say it was 10 years. I don't know. All I know is Jesus is saying that you guys are getting ready to go through it. Stand by. Hang on. It's coming. It's real. Be faithful. (laughs) Oh, man, we're getting a whole bunch of support here, aren't we? Be faithful unto death. You know why I said that? You know why I said that? Because they're getting ready to be killed for their faith in Christ. He said, you're going to be tested. 
Some will be in prison. And some of you will die. And I will give you the crown of life. We'll come back to that moment. There are actually five crowns in the Bible. I'm not sure if you know about those. We'll just mention them. But five crowns in the Bible. He mentions the one here. And I will give you the crown of life. And then he says this again. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So here's the little phrase we've used for years. Listen carefully. If you are born once, you die how many times? Twice. If you're born twice, you die once. That's what I was talking about a while ago. If you're born once, if you never are birthed into the kingdom of God, when you die, you will, do, you will have the physical death and the spiritual death. But when you're born twice, by the water and the blood and the spirit, you live forever with Christ. Now, don't misunderstand me. You're going to live forever somewhere anyway, either in heaven or hell. But you get to make that choice now. You don't have to wait till later. So all that just sounds like so much fun, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus says he, he has nothing against this church except for the fact that, hey, guys, you're in a really good place. You get to be my testimony. You get to be my light. You get to be my representative in a world that hates you, wants you dead. (laughs) So let's see if we can make this real for us. So Smyrna, historically, for the church was a place of martyrdom. The apostle John appointed the first bishop to Smyrna. His name was Polycarp. As I said, the Jews and the Romans were doing their best to destroy Christianity. And one of the things that they were required to do was to burn incense to the emperor and to the idols. And Polycarp said no. I'm not denying my Christ. So they arrested him, and now they're getting ready to kill him. And they're going to burn him at the stake. Again, church history, church tradition says this. So they tied him up, got all the wood there. They lit the fire, but the wind kept blowing the fire away from him. And so he's just standing there waiting to be burned. And finally, one of the soldiers walks over with a spear and kills him. He's dead. And others, many others, were martyred. So let's move it a little farther forward. I ran across this in one of my research opportunities, and I had to kind of nail it down because I wasn't sure if it was true. And the best I can tell it is, and I'll illustrate that for you, that in the early 1900s, when some missionaries were planning to go to the mission field, they were believing that they would not make it. In other words, they were going to die. And so what they would do is pack all their belongings in a casket. And so when they went on the mission field, everything they took with them they had in their casket. Because they assumed that somewhere along the way, they'd need the casket for themselves. 
So they call them one-way missionaries. Kind of like, you know, one-way ticket somewhere. So here is the story of Juan. So there's Juan. His name was Peter Milne. And he was selected to be a missionary. You know, when you get selected for this kind of mission project, just he was selected to be a missionary to the tribe of headhunters in the new Herbies, Herbides Islands. Everybody else who had gone before Peter Milne had been killed. And he says, sign me up. He goes with all of his stuff packed in his coffin, fully believing that he would die. But he didn't. <laughs> he, in fact, served that, or not that, but those islands for over 50 years. Now, listen to this. This is what the natives put on his tombstone after his death, and he died of natural causes. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Remember, Jesus said, you guys are poor in stuff, but you're rich spiritually. So let's move it forward a little more. Early 80s, middle, well, middle 80s, I made my first trip to India. And there's something, and some of the ones who are here in the congregation were part of those trips. And at some point while we were there, either in conference or class or whatever, they would do the martyr's oath. And what the martyr's oath was, and this was for Hope Givers, Hope Givers International, was that they were willing to die for Christ. It didn't matter. And they would all stand and make that commitment that if called upon to die, they would die rather than deny Christ. Now, what was interesting about that was that on the wall, there was a list of those who already had. So it wasn't hypothetical. Since that time, we have had a number of those serving Christ in India through Hope Givers and other organizations as well who have been killed, martyred for Christ. So I thought it'd be interesting just to get some latest statistics. And these are, again, statistics. But in 2021, based on different organizations' collecting of data, around the world, between 340 million and 360 million have documented persecution. This is 19, excuse me, 19. This is 2021. Out of that number, almost 6,000 of them have been killed. That's what's reported. That may not be actual. So, here's Jesus saying to the church of Smyrna, you're going to die. There's Polycarp, who is in the church at Smyrna, first century, and he dies, along with others. He, he was just the most famous because he was the bishop. There's the one-way missionaries who were willing to go and die, and many of them did. 
There's the people in India who are giving their life. And people around the world who are still doing that today. Now, you might ask yourself the question, what does that have to do with us? Okay. Let me read some scripture to you from Mark 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of God will be ashamed of them when he comes into the Father's glory with the holy angels. Everybody get that? Are you tracking with me now? If you ain't tracking, we might as well back up and go home. Remember, Holy Spirit comforter, Holy Spirit counselor, Holy Spirit convictor. I'm not your Holy Spirit. But I am one of the leaders in this church and one of the pastors. So let me share something with you. Last week, we couldn't be here because we had ice. The week before that, we did something we have not done in a long time. Because if you haven't noticed, when all this mess with COVID started, we kind of had to hone things down. Three songs, announcements, message out the door. Got it? We've done that for almost two years. So last, excuse me, two weeks ago, I asked Chris, I said, Chris, can you take one of the songs at the beginning and put it at the end? How many thought that was pretty cool that we're here? How many were here thought that was pretty cool? I'm not asking you to die. I'm just asking you to raise your hand. I thought it was great. But then something happened during the week, this week. Nate, our youth pastor, who also works for Freedom Kids, came to me and said, Steve said, how long are we going to do the songs at the end? I said, well, undetermined. Why? He says, well, you may not realize this, but some of the people who work in Freedom Kids also run our sound system in PowerPoint. Not sound system, PowerPoint. He said, so sometimes if we don't, if we're not careful, the folks who have to leave here to go take care of the kids have to then get somebody to take care of the kids so they can come back here and do that. Man, when you told me that, I got, I got to tell you, I can't tell you how wrong that sounded to me. A church this size, really? Now, we have some people who sign up for everything and they do, and they, they're just wonderful. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Let me read this to you again. I'm not sure everybody got it. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me. Folks, we're just talking about service. We're talking about, we are... In this community, we're the most blessed church with kids. In case you don't know, that is a blessing from God because that gives you generation, generation, generation. So why is it 
that we still have trouble getting people to work with kids. Now, you can say, well, you're just manipulating. I promise you, I'm telling you the truth. My prayer is the Holy Spirit is the one that does the convicting because that's not my job. But it is my job to point it out. And that's what I'm doing. So we're talking about people who have literally, literally given their lives for Jesus Christ in his service. And here I am in this church family and I can't serve or I'm not serving. I don't know how to tell you anyway, but say to you, if you're here and you're not serving, you're wrong. I can't say it any plainer than that. And it makes no sense to me. That anybody here on staff, anybody who schedules would ever come and say, we have a shortage of people. We have the same problem in the nursery. And that's ridiculous. And I'm asking you now before God, fix it. Fix it. It's our responsibility to take care of this house. Let's do it. Everybody has different responsibilities. Everybody has different chores. I get it. Sharon talked about the gifts. We believe strong in the gifts and how they work. But at the same time, when there's a family, everybody pitches in to help with the family. That's how that works. In case you did not know. That's how that works. And then... Everybody, every one of us has the responsibility as we leave this place, as we're here taking care of the house that God's given us. And I don't mean the building. I'm talking about the house, us as a people. When we leave here, we are as the last song we sang where it says we are the testimony of Jesus. So do me a favor, please. Be a testimony of Jesus this week and go out and talk about those who are willing to give their life for Jesus. And don't talk about the fact, you know, the pastor had to get on to Sunday because ain't enough other signing up to serve. Sign up to serve and then go tell people how wonderful our Jesus is. Does that make sense? That I got four nods out of how many people? Yeah, okay. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to have a song here at the end. Everybody stand. Praise team, come back, please. As Sharon mentioned to you when she was up earlier, we do have prayer teams here available. We have, obviously, we still have elders. We have deacons. We have leaders. And the prayer team who's here to pray and pray with you, pray for you, uh, please uh, feel free to come and get ministry during this time. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can know you, know your truth, and know that your truth sets us free. And I pray for this body, this body of Christ here at CFM. Because, God, we know we're here to help people be free and to, to lay down their sin and lay down their hurts and lay down their pains. And, and being used by you, Holy Spirit, to minister, to guide along with others. That this body be healthy. This body be protected and provided for in every way, and that includes all of us who serve. So thank you, God, for this day. We celebrate it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name.